Welcome into this episode of Farzcast. Farzine Vasugian here with you. Hope you guys are doing well. As I promised on the most recent podcast, we're uh, doing a quick turnaround here. Multiple podcasts in a week. We generally don't do this, but when we've got a special guest, uh, we can make it happen. We're, uh, we're trying to shift things around, and uh, I'm very excited to have this person on. Uh, Nehemiah Clark from MTV's The Real World Austin and has been on seven different seasons of the challenge very excited to have him on uh nehemiah welcome in man i appreciate you doing this how are you thank you man i'm good i appreciate you having me on love the podcast <laughs> appreciate I, it I, I love that you're altering things around for me <laughs> yeah. well we, 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 when you got one of the uh one of the uh, guys from real world austin which by the way i haven't talked to a lot of reality tv guys we're, we're predominantly a sports podcast but we talk all kinds of topics uh as far as mtv guys the only other guy from MTV I've had on the podcast is Wes. So if I'm going to have anyone from the challenge, I might as well have him from uh, from the real world. Austin, the best season of the real world. Oh, thank you, man. And uh, did y'all talk about soccer? Unfortunately, not. We talked. A, this was back in January. Um, man, I know he's a big soccer guy. I know he won a state title um, uh, here in, in KC, but. Uh, no, I know he's a big soccer fan. I know he was really excited when uh, Kansas City got that World Cup bid to, to come to Kansas City. He texted me immediately and I was like, that's cool. But honestly, I don't care. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an MMA guy. I'm a boxing and MMA guy. Okay. Since I was going to actually bring this up later, but I'll ask you now who's winning Saturday, Nunez or Pena. You want to know, uh, in my opinion, it's going to be Pena. And I had put money on her in the first fight and she did me very, very well. I think she was a, uh, negative two or three, something like three. So I made some good money on that and I put money on Pena and I expect her to do it again. Dude, I'm a huge Amanda Nunes fan. I was actually on vacation. I was in Mexico uh, and I just fell asleep. I couldn't stay up late for the fights. And I woke up to a notification the next morning in capital letters, uh, Juliana Pena upsets Nunes. I'm like, holy shit. I did not see that. But props to her, man. She, I, They were supposed to fight a long time ago, but the fight got canceled for whatever reason. And she invaded a press conference and was like trying to assure her spot for that title shot. Props to her. Uh, I'm excited to see how this rematch is going to go. I'm a little nervous for Nunez. The way she like left her camp, her her gym, and is starting her own thing. I'm a little nervous about Nunez going into this one. If when you start to see fighters make those changes, what that means is that there's doubt in what in what they've been doing, how they've been doing things, and we saw that with Tony Ferguson, and um, when he switched camps after his loss. And I think it's one of the worst things that you can do, especially as a fighter, because iron sharpens iron. And if you're the only fighter in there and they're just focusing on you, you can't really roll. You can't really go with some people who are going to give you that edge. And I think that's the reason why we look at camps like Team Alpha Male. We look at the camps out in New Mexico with John Jones and Holly Holman. Some of the best camps are the ones that have the killers, you know. Um, So I think that when the fighters start to make changes after a loss, especially when you're the champion, it's not a good sign because now you're reevaluating things. And if it was, if it was just as simple as her avoiding certain shots, then I think she wouldn't have had to switch camps the way that she did. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving Juliana the edge and also they have her as the underdog. So I'm going to throw some money on that one again and, (laughs) and clean up and clean up. So I hope that they keep doubting her. Who is your favorite fighter? I have a lot, but uh, Valentina Shlevchenko, 
is, is okay. one of my favorite MMA fighters. I think that she is the epitome of what an MMA fighter should be. Um, I obviously like Izzy. Um, there's, there's just so many, there's so many killers out there right now. It's such a good time to be in fighting and, um, it's a good time to be a fan, but there's been, my list goes on, but I think right now Valentina is probably right there at the top, just as what she's, just as what she's done in the sport and how, how serious she takes it. And there's really not a lot of holes in her game. Yeah. She's a killer dude. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to mess with like even Amanda. Listen, like I said, I'm a big fan of Nunez, but that rematch, I don't think she won that. <laughs> no, I mean anyone, anyone with any woman with a gun tattoo on her waist is probably a dangerous is probably a dangerous person. So you know, and uh, I mean her sister too. You know, shout out to her sister. I've been trying to slide yeah. her DMs forever, and um, <laughs> hasn't worked. But look, look, I'm looking for you, boo. You got a fan. Look, we're gonna go ahead and get married. I'm about to fly to Vegas. Like I'm gonna learn the language, everything, and we're gonna do this. That's awesome. Um, you were on the real world. You were 19 years old. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe Wes was 19 as well. And I, I asked him this question. Maybe at the time, you know, 19 now is like the new, I mean, 19 year olds at the like, what, 15 years ago or whenever your season was different a whole lot for 19 year olds now, especially with social media. But was there like this? massive like holy shit transition right after you filmed the real world and when it started airing was there like a big shift in your life once the season started airing yes i think it i think it came uh i remember the the first time i got recognized we would call each other like hey did you get recognized yet and they'd be like no not yet and now you know um because we had hung out with previous cast members and we seen how when we'd be out in public, people were recognize them and it shocked us. We didn't know. I don't think any of us knew that after doing the show, people would actually recognize us. And I remember going into the show. I didn't even know people were going to know what we were filming. Like I had came up with all of these, all of these funny scenarios where people were going to ask me what we were filming. And I was going to make up all these stories. Cause I didn't know that they were going to know. I think one time I said, I was going to, I was going to say I was Mike Tyson's son or something, something like that. But it was different. It was like, no, they've been talking about this for a while. And Austin knows and the fans know and the Internet know and they were ready for. It. So I think that um, once we started getting recognized, it, I was at Walmart in Rancho Cucamonga and I got recognized by one dude and he ran up and hugged me. He's like, oh, my God, you're on the show. And then I kid you not that same day in Walmart, three other people recognized me. And then from that point on, it was like. Everywhere I went, people recognized me. And then we went to the VMAs and I had people like Gwen Stefani and all these people like recognize me. And I was just bugging out. And that's when I was like, oh, this is a this is a big deal. When uh, you, you know, it's interesting. You uh, played with a couple of cast members just recently who were on season two of the challenge. And what's so interesting about that is and it, it has more significance now. But Kobe Bryant and Reggie Miller were playing basketball with Ronnie, Mark Long, and a few other cast members. And after they got done playing, Kobe Bryant uh, talked to one of the cast members. I can't remember who it was, but he was asking if he and his girlfriend uh, from his season of The Real World, if they were still together. Uh, I know you mentioned Gwen Stefani. Did you, have you ever had like a situation where a celebrity walked up to you and was asking you about your personal life or, or the things that you talked about personally on your season of The Real World? You know, yeah, it was um, a few of them. I remember being at a Floetry concert 
and it was a uh, flow tree and guapale. This is how old this was. <laughs> um, and I remember um, afterwards, I went to go take a picture and she was asking me about the show. She was a fan and that that bugged me out. I was like, oh man, that's that's crazy. But more so now, because I'm big into MMA and boxing, um, there's a lot of MMA people who watch. And it trips me out every single time when these people who I'm a fan of, you know, are a fan of me. So um, that was one of them. And then shout out to Little Brother, one of my favorite rap groups, Little Brother, uh, with Big Pooh, Fonte, Ninth Wonder. I was at a, a show and uh, Little Brother was performing and Big Pooh knew who I was and Joe Scudder knew who I was and Big Doe. And it bugged me out because I was like, look, I just got off the challenge and I was listening to The Minstrel Show, which was like one of their latest albums. Like I was listening to your album to hype me up for my elimination. And he's like, what? I'll be watching you. So that was like... To me, that was one of the greatest moments. And me and Big Pool and Big Doe, we still boys. So, you know, shout out to them. And that was that was huge for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you, what have the last couple of years been like for you? I, I mean, I know the pandemic, it's been crazy for a lot of people. But after what, I, I want to say uh, 10 years, you went back and did three seasons. You only did four seasons uh, before All-Stars. And you've done all three All-Star seasons so far. And you made it very far on all of them. You ran the last two finals. Uh, what have the last couple of years been like for you uh, to, to to leave home and go do those challenges again? It's, it feels like home, <laughs> you know, like being on the show feels like home because right now I'm in a position, like I said, I don't have kids. I don't have a girl. Um, it's just me and my dog. So if there was ever a time for this opportunity to come, this is perfect, you know, and um, I know how tough those environments could be. So shout out to everyone who has kids who go and do that and they have yeah. to spend time away from their family. But for me, it couldn't have came at a better time because I, I never left the film industry. So, you know, that 10 years that I wasn't on the show, I was in Hollywood. And I was working on all these major sets, you know, from like Drake to Miranda Lampert to Nicki Minaj. And I'm, I'm a traveling DJ and I'm doing spring break, South Padre Island, Cancun. I'm doing gigs with DJ Pauly D, you know, Three Six Mafia. So my life has always been exciting, but it just wasn't advertised. And, you know, the last three years have been great, but it hasn't really been any different for, you know, what my life was like before, except uh, being back in front of the camera. And I think that's been the biggest difference on your season of the real world. And this kind of was intriguing to me because I've done a lot of broadcast work, a lot of video editing work. You guys had this project where um, you guys, uh, I can't remember what it was you were filming, but you guys basically had to shoot it and then edit it. And you kind of took the lead on that because you, uh, you studied film, if I'm not mistaken, out of curiosity, what video editing program were you guys using? Do you remember? Yeah, at that time we were using um oh man, what is it? Um I'm drawing it, a blank right now. It didn't look like Final Cut. No, no, no. Final Cut wasn't even around. Avid. Avid. Okay, I've heard yeah, of Avid, but I've Avid. never used it. Oh man, that's a that's that's one of the pioneers. So people were using Avid before they were using Final Cut and before they were using Premiere. So, you know, back in the day, it was like I started editing in, in high school with two VHS tapes. You put the two VHS yeah. tapes in and then there's the scrolls and you have to scroll through and you have to push play. And that's how I started editing. And then when I got to college, we were using Avid and that was the industry standard. And then everything started switching to more Premiere and Final Cut. But now when I did my tour back at the Buneham and Murray building, what I saw was that they're all going back to Avid. So Avid is about to apparently start making a comeback. But um, that's what we were using on the show was Avid. Nice. It doesn't really surprise me because the new Final Cut, it's uh, 
not as good, but a lot, a lot of the people listening might not really know what we're talking about. So we'll, we'll avoid the details <laughs> on that. Uh, but no, I mean, your, um, uh, your time on the challenge, you and Wes have obviously become really close. Uh, and I know you guys have, uh, he was filming a project. I believe it was called friends and benefits and he invited a lot of challenge members over. And if I'm not mistaken, um, you decided to move out to Kansas city. I believe after that, is that correct? No, it was before that. Okay. Before that. So I got a call from him for a project that was different than that. And it was, um, like more of a business project. So I came, he was like, you might have to just be here for a couple of months. And I had a place out in AZ and I just went through a breakup and I was like, you know what, let's do it. I didn't even know what the, he kind of gave me details, but I didn't get them until I got here. But when I got here, literally I'm sitting in my hotel room and that's when they started talking about potential stopping travel and, and COVID and all of this. Like it wasn't a big thing until literally I got to, to Kansas city and then I'm sitting in a hotel room and COVID and the lockdown started. So it was a crazy time to make that transition. And then in the midst of that, that's when, you know, we started talking it was like friends and benefits. He presented the idea and, um, it was literally me, him and this other guy, Alden. and we, we ran the whole thing. Um, I was a cast member. I was a videographer. I was a director. I was a writer. I was an editor all for the project. And between us three, we knocked out two seasons and we had cast members flying in and out um, for two months. And just me, Wes and Alden, we, we knocked out, I think it was like 22 episodes just between the three of us. That's awesome. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I know he's got the blocks and I was doing some research on that before I talked to him and I saw some behind the scenes pictures. And I think I saw you in the background filming uh, some of the uh, some of the show. Is that right? The original one. Yeah, I filmed the original pilot like a couple years ago. So um, I came down here and um, I was one of the people to help with the original filming of it. But I'm not a part of the new one oh, okay. right now just because of what I have going on in my life and the transition that I'm making. And um, also he don't pay me enough. So, you know, like my <laughs> services are not cheap, <laughs> you know, he just, budget, he just won. He, he, he just, he just yeah. won 250 K. <sighs> yeah. Like, like, I mean, my resume includes, like I said, so many people, Drake, Little Wayne, Miranda Lampert, The Rock, uh, Michael Phelps, just so many projects, ESPN, Nike, Puma, uh, oh, wow. some of the top directors. So like my, my resume is real. I was out in, in Los Angeles for 10 years working so many projects. I mean, at one point there was not one song on the radio that I hadn't worked on a music video for, you know, 50 cent, um, Meagle, everyone. So it was just to like my, my rate is high when it comes to doing stuff behind the scenes, because I've been doing it for the last 10 years. So, um, I'm, I made that transition back in front of the camera again, but I'm not working on the new one, but I'm going to go pop up on them just to make sure, you know, just to go show my face to go show my support. Um, because he's actually filming right now, the, the newest, the newest okay. uh, version of the block. So he just started, I think today or, or yesterday. So I'm, I'm going to pop in on him and, uh, harass him a little bit. By the way, uh, I know uh, he had a big hand in uh, that entire weekend that you guys had recently, which included Challenge Mania, and I got to meet you there, and I know there were a lot of people there. Uh, dude, that was a hell of an event. That, that Challenge Mania event was probably the best five hours I've ever spent anywhere in my life. Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. What did you think of that? Have you been to a Challenge Mania before? Yeah, that was my um, maybe my third one. Okay. I heard, uh, I, uh, I heard the one in Kansas City is not it, – it, it's, it's usually – that was like on steroids. They're not usually that big. 
They're not. I mean, I did one. The first one that I did was in Denver. And that one was just uh, Chase. I think he did Big Brother. Derek, me, and uh, Kellyanne. Okay. And, and that was it. But I hadn't been on television in so long. So people had maybe three questions for me. And two of, and two of the questions had to do with Beth. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it was like um, to, to see to see it now and then to to fast forward to the challenge mania we did where fans in the audience had a lot of questions for me. And uh-huh. to see like at the end for the people out there who don't know, there's a meet and greet. And w- my line in Denver, I had four people in my line. And then fast forward to now where like I have one of the longest lines and people are, they have questions for me and they know about all stars and they know about these things. It's, it's a great, it's, it's just a great transition from, you know, going from three questions to people really wanting to engage with you. So, I mean, I, I loved it and I appreciate every single fan. And that's why I spend so much time with every single person, you know, like I, I shut it down. I'll sit, I'll, even if they close the building, I'm there until the last fan gets to spend like two to five minutes with me. Well, I'll, I'll back you up on that because I remember you were the last person uh, there uh, talking to fans and everything. So that was awesome. By the way, I think Tina stole all the uh, Beth questions from you, at, at least for that night, at least. Thank goodness. I don't need another Beth question. <laughs> and and it's, so, it's such a great thing that when people have a, a chance to ask me questions, that's the, they don't even think about that anymore, you know, yeah. because at, some, at one point that was the main thing that people used to ask me. But I think out of my challenge career, that was the the least important thing that I had ever done. So it's so good to be able to, you know, transcend that. And people have different questions from season one to the King's Palace to season three to my elimination with Derek. To, it's just so many new memories that I've been able to create. Out of curiosity, did you ever get called for Battle of the Seasons? No. Okay. No. I, I think uh, I think there I, I know it was Lacey. Uh, who was there, mm-hmm. but I think the idea was to have like a team of exes, but I I don't know what happened with Johanna. That's just the word on the street. You you may know a little bit more about that than I do, but, um, and, and you know, I think that's kind of an interesting point because I saw you and Melinda right after all stars too. you guys did an Instagram live and you both expressed uh heavy interest in doing a homecoming, which a lot of real world cast members, they've been contacting a lot of their former castmates. They haven't talked to in a couple of years trying to see what uh, their temperature levels like to try to see if they could uh, get this going. I think the enticing offer about Austin is, Hey, you got two former serious couples who are broken up and let's get them back together. Whereas for you, I mean, obviously you don't fit that mold, but what would a homecoming season mean to you? Like what, what, what could you take out of uh, that kind of experience? I think one of the things is that bigger than, bigger than us having past couples. I think it's also the new relationships that have developed where a lot of, a lot of these cast members who are trying to do it, they have to call people that they haven't talked to in years. You know, um, Wes lives down the street. I officiated his wedding. Uh, me and Melinda just ran a final together. Uh, me and Rachel talk online. Uh, I was, um, I talked to Johanna online all the time. I stayed with her in New York the last time I was eight years ago before she had her kid. I knew, I found out she was pregnant before the world did. You know, so our our dynamic is different. And I think that I think that the charisma that we had for Real World Austin, I think that it's going to be bigger now because we've all evolved into different people and we all have had great experiences. And just in the last two years, I've got to run finals with two of my two of my favorite people from my show. So a lot of a lot of people from the homecoming can't say that. 
they can't say that they've just actively ran a final and had to dig deep and be partnered with people that they did their original show with. So I think that there's a lot in there. And what I would take from it is just really being able to see the growth and being able to see where I was at 19 to where I am now. And that's what all has done for me is being able to see where I was at the age of 20 as a challenge competitor to where I am now at the age of 36 and, and to see how, how much growth is there. And that's what's important for me, the growth and also how much fun we're going to have because we party. And a lot of these people, they're going in there and they have a lot of things to cry about, but not us. You know, we're going we're gonna to be on there. We're going to be having fun and it's going to be a whole different feel for, for Austin. So I think that that's um, it's going to be one of the best ones that they've had. Yeah, uh, I, I hope it happens, man. I think a lot of people are, are hoping for it. And by the you mentioned All Stars too, running the final with Melinda. Man, I don't think she's ever ran a final before that. To so to see her, and I know she opened up a lot about her uh, personal experiences prior to that season. Uh, so her story was very inspiring, and to see her kick a lot of ass, and, and you guys came so close. That was really fun to seeing the two of you guys do your thing on All Stars too. So that was awesome. I was really bummed out she uh, she had to leave early for All Stars three. Yeah, me too. Shout out to Melinda. Um, and it's funny because we got to rekindle, you know, our bond on that, because when you go through these experiences, it's, 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 it's different. You know, it's like when you're stuck in a house, when, you, you know, you have the odds against you, the whole house against us in season two, yeah. you know. And, and the thing is, is that we have friends there. So it was like it wasn't just that we had the house against us. We had our friends against us. And I think that we both went in there and we were in a good position to socially be in the middle and just kind of float. But it didn't happen that way. And um, it ended up turning and flipping after we got Derek thrown in and then it just changed the whole dynamic. But I got to do that with my A1. And, you know, Melinda was always my girl in season um, of of the real world. So that brought us so close. I mean, literally, she's in Ireland right now, but all we're doing is sending each other gross reels of like some crazy, you know what I mean? Like this is how close we are right now where she's on vacation, but all she wants to do is just send me these crazy Instagram videos. So um, that's the love that we have for each other. That's awesome. Uh, I did want to ask you about your spirituality. Uh, I know that's a really big thing for you. Uh, have you always been a spiritual guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I have. I went through, it started in high school and in high school, I started to read I was raised Christian, but then I started to dig into the Rastafarian religion. And then when I got to college, I started looking into Hinduism. Then I started looking into Buddhism. And then I started to study Kabbalah. And to me, there was always a bunch of questions that I felt like were unanswered. And it was just some basic questions. And it was who we are, where do we come from, where do we go when we die, and what are we doing here on earth? Like, to me, those are like the most important questions. And I look at the animal kingdom and I feel like a giraffe knows it's a giraffe. A lion knows it's a lion. But us humans, we're walking around and it's planet X because we don't have those basic questions answered. And to me, I felt like that was more important than getting rich. So for like the last years of my life, that's what I focused on was trying to get those questions answered. And I went very deep into studying um, into a spiritual journey where it was like, man, I I went so deep that I was doing these shamanistic practices. I'm talking about doing DMT ceremonies and doing Campbell ceremonies and breaking into like these high intense levels of meditation and transcending this plane and understanding what this incarnation was and understanding more about what this life was, understanding what our higher self is. And it just got so deep that it's like, it's like the matrix, you know, like you said, once you take this pill, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to see life 
you know, um, the way you did before. And that's kind of what happened to me. And, you know, I started to learn more about what the soul is, what our, what this human body is and, you know, um, ways to tap into the power that we have. And it just, it became the forefront of, of the importance of what I wanted to focus on in life. I know you alluded to this a little bit, but if you can uh, elaborate a little more, did you notice like a big change in yourself or just things you've done in life in general, uh, when you started to become more spiritual in high school? Yeah, it was, um, I just always felt like an outcast, but I felt like, I felt like I was on the right path, but I was being criticized all the time. And I was the weird, you know, I was cool and I was, um, I was popular, but I was always weird because I used to wear the Africa necklace. Um, you know, I used to, I used to, um, listen to music that the other people didn't listen to. They were all on the hip hop. And then I started listening to reggae and I was listening to rock and I was listening to the doors and I was listening to Jimi Hendrix. So I think that I've always kind of been different, but I think that starting it there, it was, it was important for me because right now, I mean, how old, I don't even remember how old I was in high school. I think I graduated at 17. I am 20 years deep on this exploration. And where now is it's trendy now. It's trendy for Puff Daddy and them to talk about good vibes only and good energy only. And but what do they know about that? You know, what is what is a what does vibe mean? Vibe is short for vibration. Well, what does vibration mean? The fact that we're all vibrational patterns, understanding that everything is a frequency, just like the radio. Our thoughts are a vibrational pattern, our emotions are a vibrational pattern. We vibrate at a specific frequency, understanding how to navigate those frequencies and understanding how the universe vibrates and learning how to tune your frequency to tap into the things that you want to experience. And, you know, it, it gets really, really deep. And I love that, that kind of stuff. And that's the reason why I'm like, yeah, we could talk about real, real world stuff and all that, but like, you want, you want to blow your mind. Let's talk about, let's talk about like traveling dimensions. Let's talk about, you know, like having those, um, those near death experiences where you, where you study religion your whole life and you talk about Jesus and you talk about God and you talk about Buddha, but then you sit and you meet them and you have a conversation with them. Like that's the stuff that I think is life changing, you know, versus, um, what, what a person had to eat or who had drama on season three, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that stuff, when I've experienced that stuff is very hard for me to, it's very hard for me to, um, to be excited about small talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, for sure. I'm, I'm intrigued by this because my mom, she had kind of a, a bit of a health scare uh, a couple of years ago. And after that, when she was trying to uh, recover from all of that, um, she started to lean more towards her spiritual side and she's gotten very familiar with the chakras and all that. And, and so I, I know about that kind of stuff just a little bit, not too much. So I've, I've always found that stuff very interesting. I, I'm curious, have you uh, had a chance to connect with Eric Nice? Because he's a he's a very spiritual guy as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's on that same path. So he, I think he does the ayahuasca ceremonies. Um, he understands the clean eating. He understands the clean thoughts. So uh, I was excited because Eric Nice was in talks of doing all stars. So I'm I sitting heard. there like, yo, you put me and Eric Nice in the same building. It's going to be trouble. Like we are going to be the weirdos in the corner talking about stuff. That's going to, as soon as we start talking, people probably just get up and walk away. You know what I mean? Because they're so lost. So, um, Eric Nice is on that and, and uh, big shout out to Eric Nice for him. Never getting off of that path and getting on that path when it wasn't trendy and 
you go th- when you're doing these shows, it's so different. I mean, we look at the duel too, when I brought in meditation and I brought in sage and I brought in affirmations and I was made fun of and I was criticized because it was so early. And I had to have a talk with myself when I got called to do rivals. And it was like, do I show this side of myself because of all of, you know, the criticism that I went through? Do I just, do I just scale this side back of myself? And to me, that was one of the biggest turning points in my life because I remember I was into Kabbalah at the time. I was studying it and I was like scanning the Zohar. And then I stopped on um, a passage and it talked about how if you're not being criticized for your spiritual journey, then, you know, you're not going deep enough. And that's when I was like, this is exactly what I need to hear. I'm going even harder on rivals. So I went even harder. I brought more books. And what happened was I ended up getting John A into it and I got Sarah Rice into it. And I had Wes and Kenny meditate with me. And you know what I mean? Doing mantras and stuff. You, you so, know you're doing something right when you get Wes and Kenny to do something together. Come on, right? Like, so it was it, it was a good turning point because I almost turned that side off. Of, I almost did not show the world that side of myself. And it's one of the most important sides. And I had to go through that. And it was a tough thing to go through at that time because no one was doing this. It wasn't trendy. Um, veganism, spiritual, like the stuff was not trendy the way it is right now. No one's talked about this stuff. No one. And now it is. So to to know that I was on it back then, I'm just very, very uh, thankful that, you know, I got to not only be one of the people to bring it to MTV, but I got to stand strong in it and it turned me into a better person. Have you always been a vegan? I haven't eaten meat in 15 years. Wow. So I stopped eating meat. And I stopped eating pork in high school. So in high school, I started this whole, like I'm saying, I've been on a but in high school, I stopped eating pork. I'm drinking soda. So it started early for me. So when you do see, because I was just about to ask if you were vegan on the real world, but you already answered that. So when you, I mean, I know there's a lot of going out, drinking, partying and all this kind of stuff, but uh, was it easy for you to, to, to have the meal that you wanted to have whenever you go and do the real world or any of these challenge seasons? No, it's tough. I, I stopped eating. It was after the gauntlet three. So uh, rivals, the duel two, I wasn't eating meat. And uh, it was tough, especially back then, because there wasn't a lot of options, you know, like no one knew what a, there was no Beyond Burger. There was no Impossible Burger. There was no Gardein brand. There was no going to Burger King and being able to order something vegan. I was doing spring breaks and I literally had to eat French fries. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was my best option sometimes. And Denny, shout out to Denny's. Denny's was the only one that had a vegan burger at the time, the Boca Burger. And um, so I was eating Denny's French fries and st- like all month long and some veggies and stuff. So it was not easy. And like I said, it, it goes to the testament of life. It's like when we start to make these transitions for the for us being better, it's not going to be easy. We're going to face adversity, but it's in those adverse. How do we face that? Do we stay strong in our commitment? Do we stay strong in, in our new belief system? And I've got to be tested in a lot of arenas and I've, I've got to stay strong. And for 15 years, being on the road and being places where I couldn't even eat, sometimes I just would just not eat anything, you know, um, to say 15 years later that I still have not ate a real hamburger. I still haven't had a steak. I still haven't had a piece of chicken. I haven't had turkey in 15 years. You know, um, I understand as, as that person that people who are going through stuff to say, yeah, you can go through this no matter, no matter if it doesn't look like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Man, props to you. I mean, living in Kansas City with all the good barbecue. I remember I asked you once on Instagram, I'm like, what's the best barbecue? And you're like, nope, I don't. I, I'm a vegan. I'm like, dang, props to you. So that is really cool. That's, <laughs> that's really interesting for sure to, to learn about all of that. Uh, ever since you've come to Kansas City, have you been able to have you 
converted yourself as like a Chiefs fan or Royals fan or, or what's your uh, sports loyalty like? Hey, look, man, to the day I die, Baltimore Ravens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to the day that I die, go Lamar. Let's get it. You know, um, I'm a fan of any city that I live in. But right now, I just cannot find myself to throw on a Chiefs jersey. Um, I actually have friends that I've met through training and stuff who are on the Chiefs. You know, like um, I was training with Tyreek Hill. Um, I literally, when I was flying out to Europe, I literally uh, was sitting in the airport hanging out um, with some of the Chiefs players. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Travis Kelsey, like me and him, both of our flights were delayed. So I'm sitting there hanging out with Travis Kelsey, um, a few other people. So I got love for the players, but Wes bought me a jersey and I'm never going to wear it. It's sitting in my closet right now. And I know he he knew what he was doing, but it still has a tag on it. I'm not wearing no Chiefs. As long as there's a Baltimore Ravens team, I'm not putting on a Chiefs jersey. You train with uh, Luther Glover, who also works with a lot of the players, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I did a lot of training with Luther for season two. Uh, shout out to Luther. He's um, one of the top trainers here in, um, in Kansas City. He trains so many of the players. So, you know, I'll go in there and I'm training and I don't even know who half of the players are, obviously. You know, once again, go Baltimore Ravens. But it'd be like, oh, that's such and such. That's such and such. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, like I can't get super excited about it because it's not Lamar Jackson. Um, so it's like, yeah, I, I train. He. He got me right for season two. And then um, I started to train uh, with an MMA fighter afterwards, uh, Laney Nations. I started training with her. So um, shout out to Laney. She's a beast. She's based out of here in KC. So I've got to be very fortunate. And a lot of the people that I got to work with um, as far as training goes, only being here a short amount of time. Yeah, I want to go back to the Lamar Jackson thing, man. Listen, I know his style of play is so different. Like Tim Tebow got criticized so much for even just recently. I, I think there was like an anonymous defensive coach who was talking about Patrick Mahomes style, called it street ball, but look, man, and I'll admit I've been one of the Lamar critics, but up until last year, when he dealt with those injuries, he's still winning games, man. People keep doubting him, but he's, he's finding a way whether you like his style or not. And he's entertaining. Why, why do we watch these sports? It's obviously for the win, but it's because we need an outlet from regular. We're watching to be entertained at the end of the day. And in those moments, we're being drawn away from from what's happening in in the outside world. And we're focused on this game. And that's the reason why sports is so huge for people, because it's like it's an escape for them. He's entertaining. He brings entertainment. And regardless if it's conventional or not, they're always going to criticize people who who go against the grain. You know, they're always that aren't the norm. And that's what happened to me in season two. I went against the grain. I went against all the top people. I created an alliance with people who weren't winning. I created the King's Palace and fans didn't know how to take it. The house didn't know how to take it. But that's what it's about. It was entertaining. And I I love people who, you know, we we break the mold. And that's what Lamar is doing. And that's what Patrick Mahomes is doing. Patrick is probably one of I think he's probably the best quarterback out, to be honest, in, in my opinion. So, um. Let's break all these. Let's let's break these boxes that they try to put us in. Let's break them. Break them all down. Um, let's look at the Floyd Mayweather fight. Who, who was his toughest fight? Floyd Mayweather's toughest fight was Maidana. Why was that one of his toughest fight? Because Maidana was unconventional. 
Maidana was throwing some of the most craziest punches. He wasn't sitting on the outside letting Floyd pick him off. No, he would get him up against the ropes and he'd throw a wild overhand right and he'd throw a body. And it was stuff that Floyd was like, hold on, hold on. This is this is different. This is weird. Hold on. It was very unconventional. So it threw Floyd off a little bit. And that's the reason why Maidana has so much success in the first fight. So let's 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 break those boxes down. See, I'm not a big boxing guy, but I think in an MMA sense, it's like, you know, wrestlers get shit on a lot because it's it's boring, supposedly. Right. But I mean, look at Connor. Yeah, he is. I mean, that guy gained a lot of superstar power because he kept knocking people out. And then when he faced a wrestler like Habib, man, that was not the same fighter. I mean, he was a completely different fighter. So now I've always appreciated those different styles that people don't tend to appreciate so much. I, listen, I, I personally think wrestling is an exciting level uh, in MMA, an exciting style, I should say, but um, it's just not as intriguing to everyone. So I've always been again. I've always been for people who are against the grain, honestly. Because those people don't understand what they're watching. You know, we got to look at the base of what an MMA fan is right now. It's someone who's drunk. It's someone who just wants to see people get knocked out. You know what I mean? They just want to see blood. But if you go back to even before UFC, when everything was in pride and they were and the fights were in Japan, the audience is quiet. They are quiet and they're watching like an opera and then a takedown would happen. You hear, you know what I mean? And then there would be a pass from a guard and you hear. You know what I mean? They understood what they were watching. Nowadays, like half the people don't know what they're watching. And of course, they're not going to understand how difficult it is to um, to avoid a takedown, how difficult it is to get a takedown. And if we look at the original UFCs, who was the one dominating? It was Hoist Gracie. It was Hoist yeah. Gracie who was coming in with this gi. He was going against boxers. He's going against karate people. He's going against all and he's tapping them out. And it may not have been the most exciting, but it was the most effective. And if you knew what you were watching, you know that you're watching greatness. And it's, it's making that transition. That's why jujitsu is blowing up right now, because people it's, people are understanding what they're seeing right now. And every single movement means something, you know, um, it's, 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 it's intriguing. Yeah. Brian Ortega is a very fascinating guy, it, especially like personally what he's gone through and the changes he's gone through and also his style. I mean, that that Gracie jujitsu, the Gracie's you mentioned, uh, Hoist Gracie, but Henry Gracie here on. I mean, those guys have really helped him out a lot. And uh, yeah, I was really bummed out the way his last fight went. I, I hated the way that ended. Yeah, I bet against him. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I loved how it ended. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I made some money on that one. So, um, you know, <laughs> let's keep it going. Uh, I did want to ask you one last thing before we sign off here. You uh, mentioned on, uh, I know you, did, you mentioned this on All-Stars 3. I can't remember if you mentioned this on the other All-Star season that you wanted to use your platform to uh, to to help others out there. Uh, before we started recording, you talked about, uh, a project you've got going on trying to help people out in Kansas city. Um, talk about that because a lot of the followers and listeners I have are from the Kansas city area. So I think uh, they'll definitely, definitely be interested in this. Um, please uh, elaborate on that if you would. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I do is um, I'm helping lower income people, um, especially people who've been affected by COVID. Um, I'm helping them get new careers in the tech industry by um, connecting with different workforce agencies. It's with a company called Snap IT. So we connect with different workforce agencies and employment agencies, and we um, get federal grants and local funding and we help people who are in bad positions get free training in things like javascript um, 
Salesforce, we all know that the tech world is a nonstop and emergent, emergent field, but a lot of people don't have the resources to get into it. They don't have the money to go to a traditional college. So it's a field that a lot of people can't get into, even though it would benefit them greatly. So I work with this company bringing, bringing that to people who normally wouldn't have the resources. You know, to me, one of the things that I found was an important thing was uh, financial freedom. And when we look at, when we look at, especially the black community, and we look at where the problem is, it's in the economics and it's looking at the black dollar, for instance, when we spend a dollar, well, when we earn a dollar in the black community, it never circulates. It goes out instantly. But when you look at other communities and um, their dollar circulates in their community five to six times before it goes out. And in our community, it, it doesn't circulate. And not only that, but we don't understand the importance of retirement funds, 401ks, IRAs. We don't understand the importance of putting money towards assets versus these depreciating values. You know, We'll go and spend this amount of money on Jordans and this amount of money on a car, but we don't have anything in our retirement fund. We don't have any investments. So I understand one of the biggest things to break and to uplift the community. It sucks, but it's, it's economics and it's putting people in a financial position to where they don't have to spend their life trying to survive. You go to these, these minority and these low income, income areas and most of their time is spent trying to figure out how their next bills are going to be paid. They're living paycheck to paycheck. So what they're doing is they're vibrating in a in a vibration of just survival. And when you're in survival, you can't think and you can't live in a place to thrive. You can't think about getting healthy. You can't think about helping the people around you because you you don't even know how you're going to keep your lights on. So that's the reason why I want to help because I had to learn this on my own at, at late 20s. You know, um, I'm sitting there at the grocery store and I'm swiping my card to get groceries and my bank account simply because, you know, the IRS had garnished all my wages. They went in and took everything out of my bank account because I, I had never filed taxes and never paid taxes. I didn't even really know about it. I thought, I thought it was just something that I didn't have to care about. So I'm in my late 20s learning this. My credit score was so low, it wasn't even a score anymore. You know, like it was below whatever the score was. I go check my credit and it just says unable to populate a score, but from collections to this. And it it made life way harder for me. And then late, I was like, I can't do this by the time I'm 30. So I had to snap out of it. I had to learn credit. I had to learn all about financial literacy and it changed a lot. And I realized that this is why a lot of us we enter the race already behind. We're already getting lapped because we don't have these basic understanding of how American society works and understanding how do we pull ourselves up from these situations? How do we start to really build our economy? How do we really start to even the playing field? So for me, now that I have the knowledge, it's important for me to share it because these people, we don't understand this. And I see it in my own family. Most of my families don't have savings account. Most of them don't understand um, not to get a credit card um, and to utilize a credit card just for credit building and understanding don't put money towards a car because it depreciates and put money towards this. Buy yourself a cheap car for the time being. Take your employee wages and put it towards assets that create you dividends every single month. So now you could break away from the, from the rat race. So these are things that we're not taught. And I feel like if a lot of people were to know it would help put them in a better position and help for generations to come because what they have us going through right now was a plan long ago and their plan is still succeeding. And we need to break that plan and put a new plan in motion. And that's the reason why I like people like Claude Anderson and all these people, because they've been trying to help 
us understand how important it is to build our economy. Uh, we don't have, I mean, Blacks own the least amount of land. We don't own really any um, radio stations. We don't really own any airlines. We don't really own, I mean, we are in a very, very bad position, yet we influence most of the world. You know, we influence the music industry. We influence the television industry. We influence the spirituality. I mean, you look at most religions derive from things that they, they saw in Kemet, which is Egypt. You know what I mean? So it's like, we have forgotten this. And this is why I think that it's important to shine light on that. And that's the reason why it's like, if I can help and make that my mission, then why not? Because it's, you know, J. Cole said it, what good is first class if my people can't sit? You know what I mean? And it's no fun when you're up there. I want everyone with me. It's like, I, if I got to be in first class and everyone that I love is in coach, I'd rather go to coach with them. You know what I'm saying? So how do I build them up so that we can all sit first class? And that's that's the most important thing to me because I'm good in life. I've learned this. And now it's about everyone around needs to learn this, too. And it's not just black. It's everyone. It's a lot of people in this situation. That's awesome, man. That's pretty cool. You're uh, using your platform to that. And I know there are a lot of people doing all kinds of different things, whether any kind of positivity they're trying to spread out there, any kind of awareness they can spread. So that's awesome, man. Good on you. Is any of your is any of this like out there? Uh, like, is there a website people can uh, go to to help out, or, or or do you have anything like that? Absolutely. On my Instagram, if you look in my link tree, one of the links in there is uh, for the Snap IT for people to get. And it's not even just in Kansas City. We do. Um, I think we're in Colorado. We just got to Maryland, um, Oklahoma. You know, there's a um, we're we're going to be branching out so many different cities because a lot of the learning is virtual now. So I think I have two links in my link tree right now. And one of them is um, to give people, you know, the information to get into potentially getting some free, some free new skills. That is awesome, man. Well, Hey, Nehemiah, thank you so much. I know you're doing a lot of these podcasts, so we got to let you go so you can move on to the next one. Uh, I've got to say, man, uh, it, it was kind of disappointing the last uh, challenge you were on. I know that didn't end uh, the it, it was not an ideal ending. So it has been a lot of fun seeing you back on the all star seasons. Hopefully we see more of you on these seasons. Uh, but other than that, man, hey, it's been great uh, connecting with you. And uh, hopefully we can uh, do this again down the road. Thank you. Of course, man. Let's do it. And since you're a local, we can meet up sometime and, and do this in person, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Hey, Nehemiah, thank you so much, man. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, best wishes to you and uh, the projects you've got. All right. Thank you. Likewise, man. All right. Take care. Nehemiah Clark from MTV's The Real World Austin and The Challenge joining us here on Forest Guys. Appreciate you guys listening live. If you guys listen to the podcast version, much appreciated. Be sure you guys share the links. Spread the word about the podcast. Follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Farzee Vesugan at Farzee21 on Twitter. All right, we got two podcasts this week. We don't do that often, so enjoy those. Until then, I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. <laughs>